Well, good time to have a chat about uh, sport and law and the intersection of the two with uh, Tim Fuller from Gaten's Lawyers. G'day, Tim. How are you? Hey, Andrew. How are you? Oh, I'm very well. Yeah, you would have been watching a lot of the uh, World Cup soccer. Tim, what's your overriding impression? Uh, oh, I thought Spain were abysmal this morning, so that was really disappointing to see them go out. But I think it's been a cracking World Cup. It has. Andrew, to be honest. I mean, like, you know, a lot of the issues around... Qatar Holland have been pushed into the background and the um, the atmosphere and the um, the involvement of you know the fans has been has been extraordinary and, and, and the standard has been unbelievable so it's, it's been great so far mm. yeah I'd agree with that 100 percent what's happening in the world of uh, sport and law and one topic uh, that is not uh, front and center once every four years it seems to be whoa there's another goal so it makes it six one to uh, portugal is a uh, concussion uh, tim and it seems like things are being ramped up we're talking about a parliamentary inquiry now into relation to concussion and its effect on sports yeah that's right andrew i think it's really hotting up as an issue in aussie sport it's been around and a big issue in um, overseas sports, you know, particularly in the states, and you know now of all of all um, political parties, the Greens mm. have established a, um, a parliamentary inquiry. So I mean, I thought they were more like in <laughs> tree hugging and things yeah. like that, but no, no, sports on the agenda. So uh, there's going to be inquiry into like our elite sports in particular and grassroots sports, but how our country you know, handles the um, the ongoing um, issue of concussion and head trauma. So, Tim, uh, uh, what are they trying to do? Is it to, to lower the uh, occurrence of concussion or, or what to do with those that have suffered the concussion, whether it be short-term or long-term? Yeah, that's a good good question, Paul. I think what they're going to do is they're going to look at the um, current protocols that all of our sports have. And, look, as we'd all appreciate, you know, there's, um, there's variations between the various sports as to what they do, such as, for example, return to play, you know... Um, players you know going for assessment and so on and i think probably what they'll try and do just just guessing i mean I don't, I don't know but just if they're following overseas countries like what's happening in the uk and what's happening in uh, the united states i'd say that they're going to try and look at some form of standardization um in relation to you know treating um you know concussion injuries and what that would probably involve is you know things such as education um having some standardized rules around removal from play and also, importantly, like when when somebody's able to return to play. So at the moment, it is very ad hoc. Some sports do it better than others, as we would appreciate. But I think that's what probably they'll try and do. And look, it may even go as far as what's happening in the United States, where they have uh, legislation, and le- that legislation um, is the Concussion Awareness Act, and that's essentially a legislation that everybody's bound by. So from grassroots through to the professional leagues, and and that may be the way that um, it ends up in this country. Well, you would have thought if they're going to have a parliamentary inquiry, uh, the reality is uh, generally the obligation is nearly there to, you know, produce something as a result of the results of the inquiry, isn't it? So it looks like legislation could be heading down uh, that path. And I just don't know where that leads our big sports. You know, when I say our big winter sports, rugby league, rugby union and AFL, where the incidence of concussion is just inevitable. Yeah, it's a good, good point, Andrew. Look, look, the way that it may be done, ultimately, if that's what happens, is that it may be very much the carrot and stick approach. And this is what the federal government did in relation to anti-doping. So when they brought in um, uniform anti-doping rules for all of the sports to follow, 
ultimately they had the threat of withholding funding. Mm. You know, if you're not going to, if you're not going to sign up and become a signatory to WADA, and what WADA does in this area, then we'll withhold funding. And even though our big sports, particularly you know the AFL and the NRL to a lesser extent, uh, you know billion dollar sports, the fact is um, you know no sport wants government funding um, withheld because then they just got to dip into their own pockets, don't they? Mm. So that may be the approach that ultimately, if it, if it does proceed through to um, federal legislation, that the government takes. It's got to be taken seriously, Tim, and I know that now. And in this last 12 months, we've seen Mario Fennec and Ray Price and Steve Mortimer talk about uh, the early onset of dementia and these guys in their early 60s having to move into to care facilities because the state they find themselves in, they can't live at home with their wives and their family. It's a, it's a horrible situation to find it in. And if it's being brought on by repeated concussions, then it's got to be looked at. And we probably have, do have to do more. Yeah, I, I think that's right, Paul. And if you look at, um, for example, overseas, you know, there's been probably more comprehensive studies done in, say, the UK, where you know they found, for example, the University of Glasgow have recently released a study where they found ex-professional footballers, soccer players, uh, three and a half more times likely to suffer um, dementia in relation to injuries that they occurred. You know, during their career. Now, they don't categorically say, for example, head, heading the ball um, you know, produces those types of results, but they do say the contact of the sport um, has led to an occurrence of around three and a half times more likely for ex-professional players to suffer, um, you know, degenerative injuries, uh, sorry, illnesses like, you know, dementia and so forth. So, look, the, the evidence is starting to come out in relation to those, um, those types of studies. There hasn't been as obviously as thorough analysis in our country, and look, one of the reasons probably why um, you know government is getting involved is because you know the AFL in many ways, uh, not being too critical, would drop the ball in relation to their own review of concussion, where information was not able to be produced when asked. Information that was produced um, was alleged to have been plagiarised. So basically, it was, it was a fairly um, poor study and didn't give us the answers that we're all looking for. Just on another topic, uh, Tim, that I know that uh, you have an interest in, uh, it's very rarely now where you look at an athlete, if you look closely enough, that he's not wearing some form of device which tracks how far he's run, how quick he's run, what he's doing, what his heart rate is, and there seems to be now some issue as to who owns all this data collected on athletes, whether the athlete has a right to it or the organisation does. Gee, it's funny, Andrew, isn't it? Like, years ago, you got into trouble if you cut the corners when you're doing a pull-up a lap around the, around the <laughs> yeah, footy field. that's right. You now, these days, these days, the it's cone. Big Brother. <laughs> yeah, like, like, Big Brother watching you 24-7. But, look, um, one, of the, one of the things that have been released in relation to a study, a joint study between the, CIA, the CSIRO and the Australian Sports Commission is um, this issue of, of um, in relation to this type of data they're collecting and... And we all know that, like, you know, why they do this is, is ultimately it leads to potentially a, you know, an advantage. Um, you know, we're all, we're all looking for those little one percenters that um, enable teams to get that advantage over their, their opposition. And, and the big question, the big legal question is um, who owns the data? You know, ultimately when it comes to, you know, players, you know, for example, heart rate or whether it's to do with, like, blood counts, whether it's to do with other physiological and psychological data, that information they do collect, you know, does a player or an athlete actually have rights in relation to that data? Now, at the moment, like pretty much 
you know, data is owned by, for example, the club, such as the mm. employer or potentially the sport. Um, but in the future, um, you know, access to that data by all sorts of different and various third parties may lead to athletes uh, making a claim on that data because um, of the value that it Absolutely. holds. Absolutely. Well, it's sort of verging on medical information uh, and you think you're entitled as an individual to have uh, some uh, control over who actually accesses it. Absolutely. Look, and with, as we all know, player movement and player transfer is a big part of um, elite sport in the modern era. So when a player moves from Club A to Club B, does the data go with him? Or is it you know, the intellectual property and the information of you know, the previous club or the previous mm. employer? I mean, these are going to be the questions that are going to be fleshed out you know, into the future, and um, there's all sorts of reasons why, you know, people want that data. I mean, there's even been suggestions that betting agencies may look to <laughs> gain access to that data. I mean, like, uh, look, um, racing and gaming, yeah. it's the classic It's the classic sport where information is um, is king. Yeah. So, so in the end, uh, who knows? It's going to be really fascinating to watch this space. Tim, there's always something going on in the world wow. of sport oh, that that's involves weird, yeah. Uh, yeah, the law. We appreciate your time this morning, Tim. And, Tim, look, we're getting close to Christmas time, so if we don't chat to you before Christmas, just want to thank you for the year. Love having you on the show. I get a lot of comments from people. They, they love having you on because you are able to explain things in layman terms. Uh, just to, to set a few things straight, you know, player contracts and, and as we just discussed then. So really appreciate your time, just not this morning, but all through the year mm. as well. Indeed. Uh, thanks, Paul, and you guys have a Merry Christmas and Merry Christmas to um, all of our loyal listeners. Okay, thank you, boys.